Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Sticks in the Six. I'm here with my co-host, Peter Barracchini. I'm Andrew Forbes. Peter, what's going on today? Uh, well, I'm just looking outside right now. It's pretty pretty dull right now. It's very cloudy and rainy, so it's going to be one of those days, you know. But since we're recording on Sunday, got a lot of good news with football uh, returning. So got a busy schedule with sports on hand today. Yeah, I was uh, I was reading yesterday that uh, there's 51% of Americans right now say they would go, <clears throat> they would forget about COVID to to go experience an NFL game right now. So 51% of them. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm I'm probably in the 49% not wanting to go at this point until everything calms down. But I mean, hey, your choice. You're yeah. taking that risk, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I was just telling you. Before we hit the uh, the record button here, that uh, went to our first COVID wedding, I guess you'd call it uh, mm-hmm. last night in Hamilton, the Hammer, um, and uh, it's it's definitely different. You know, you're seated with your bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a quick uh, quick ceremony, some speeches and some food, and that's basically it. And for me, I'm I'm a dance kind of guy. I like to yeah. get out there and, and and boogie sometimes. So um you know it was definitely a different experience stretched out over the night and i mean you know it's uh i guess it's it's still nice that you can all get together and and celebrate uh, big moments like that but uh definitely definitely still a weird world out there for sure yeah and and i keep saying this until like a vaccine comes out i don't think we're gonna reach any sort of normalcy until like midway next year in like June, July, maybe. Um, that's me trying to be really optimistic. I don't know what's going to happen. Things change. I mean, anything can happen nowadays. It is weird times. I mean, yeah, I, it's it's kind of hard to judge when we could like go back to being normal. That's, yeah, that, that's my main thing right now. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you you were saying you got a little story to kick off this show. What uh, what's going on? Yeah, so have you heard of a YouTube channel called Aussie Man Reviews? I can't say I have. Okay, so just a little bit of a backstory. There's one of my friends showed me this channel. Um, it's definitely not safe for work because this guy swears like every other line. But he's got a YouTube series, or not YouTube series, but like a number of videos called Cats Being Dodgy. And Merriam-Webster defines dodgy as questionable or suspicious not sound good or reliable and the videos are just cats being like you know jerks to like people animals and everything like that being jerks to other cats and everything like that but i think i may have found another animal that's just as dodgy as cats squirrels uh-oh. Squirrels are complete and utter jerks right now, and they're really setting me off to the point where it's like, dude, what are you doing? I keep finding, like, acorns or, like, shells of nuts in, like, our plants. Even just the other day, one squirrel was just sitting on our chair, just looking out, staying still, as if he was plump sinister. Then he looks back and just bolts off. 
So I, I know he was probably just chilling, having a good time, needed to get out of the sun. But man, I don't know. He, he it looked really suspicious. I'm telling and, you, I'm telling you, it's the COVID effect. It's the COVID effect. No, like, <laughs> with people having been inside for so long, these animals are running rampant. They are they're creating yeah they're creating their own little world out there again and 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 coming out and it's uh you know it's it's good for them it's gonna be rough for us when we get back out there for sure yeah and it's just like and it, like you said it looked like he was just a human being just chilling animal animal world's taking everything back but even so like not just myself but my sister was driving the other day squirrel just jumps right in front of her car I mean. Obviously, you don't want to see this happen, but she hit the squirrel because it comes out of nowhere. And if she stopped, obviously, it would have created a collision with all the other cars, right? So that's the thing with squirrels. Every single time when I'm driving, too, I see them go into the middle of the street. And then they go one way, go the other, and they can't make up their mind which way they want to go. And I'm like, please, God, don't let me hit this animal. Like, it's gotten to the point where I don't... Obviously, like, it's their nature to do that, but it's like, I don't know what it's like to be inside a squirrel's mind, but I don't know if they're just doing it to piss us off or whatever, but they're extremely dodgy, and watch out for squirrels. Well, I can't even speak right now. Watch out for squirrels, folks. <laughs> um, there, you, there you have it. Watch out for the wildlife as it's, uh, <laughs> it's starting to create, like I said, create their own little world out there. Um, before we get to any NHL news or any hockey news, let's say, um, we had a couple of, uh, corrections that we wanted to make off the last couple of episodes. Yes. Um, kind of are you blew it in moments. Um, yeah, blew it. I, uh, I, I, I brought up Laner's mental health last episode and I want to mm-hmm. clarify because I don't want anyone getting the wrong idea, especially with, uh, you know, um suicide awareness month and and things like that For uh, sure, yeah you know you have to be very careful about how you talk about uh, mental health and and i wasn't mm-hmm. saying that you know it's it's a weakness or it's something that we should be worried about when it comes to his playing i was just mentioning that you know there is there is that side of him as well and he has been very open about it which is great for hockey it's great mm-hmm. for players it's great for you know um everybody basically just to just to have some somebody a spokesperson of that magnitude to come out and talk about it so openly absolutely um i didn't want to i didn't want anybody to think that you know i i'm i'm throwing it out there as as saying that he is in any way weaker as a goaltender a weaker as a player or weaker as a person so i just want to clarify that uh, before we got going here for sure yeah no and you know and that's the thing too like people could use that to their advantage like they've overcome something like as serious as that and they and they have the opportunity to tell their story and that's to me is the most important thing how they it's not obviously the story and how they're dealing with it is important but how they come out is also a really great story to tell because it shows that there is hope, there is life, and there are people that do care about you. And I think Laner has that support system. He was able to overcome the struggle, and now he's using his experience to teach others as well. So I think that's really, really good on him as well. Yeah, yeah, I know, definitely. And uh, like I said, I just don't want anybody getting the wrong idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so to him he's doing a great job and uh unfortunately his team's down in the series but uh you yeah. know definitely uh there there from from what i understand there has been 
uh, talks prior to the return to play uh, where they were looking at signing him to a five-year contract. So that'd be, that'd be amazing for him, amazing for the Golden Knights. And, uh, you know, hopefully we see that happen for him. Yeah, definitely. And also makes the goalie situation even more interesting in Vegas right now because what are you going to do with Flurry? He really might be does. on the move right now. So, yeah. And I just want to jump in with one little correction that I have that I was supposed to do at the end of last week, but I totally mental uh, brain fart, if you will, um, in regards to Chadwick Bozeman and his diagnosis with uh, cancer. Uh, I said that he had it during the filming of 42. 42 came out before his diagnosis, so he was still healthy when filming the Jackie Robinson movie, and it was during the time when he was filming all those adventure movies that it started to show oh perfect and like you said uh, like you said a few episodes ago we um you know we're throwing we're spewing out facts left right and center here so sometimes mm-hmm. we do get it wrong you know if you do hear us um say something that you know you might question a little bit definitely hit us up uh, let us for know sure. and we can look into it we can bring it up next episode that's what we're here for that's why we do it yeah. on a weekly basis yeah, we don't we we're not trying to purposely say anything wrong. I mean, we're we're doing this live. We want to make I mean, obviously, we have our computers in front of us to make sure we get everything right. But as uh, again, as you alluded to, and as we mentioned before, talking too fast, sometimes sometimes our words jump over and our thoughts don't get in sync with our mouths. So there's that as well. So jumping over to the news, hockey yes. news, um, lots of news. Lots of news, lots of news this week. Uh, we will start by uh, just looking at some of the award winners as they start to pile out now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, some some big ones in, uh, you know, we got the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. Um, for those who don't know, awarded to the player who shows leadership on and off the ice and who has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution to his community. Yes. Um, so obviously Matt Dumba of the Minnesota Wild was named the winner of that uh, that award. Also in the running were Henrik Lundqvist of the New York Rangers and PK Subban of the New Jersey Devils. But I think with everything going on right now, um, obviously everywhere, um, more mm-hmm. so more so in the in the states right now, um, to have a guy like Matt Dumba, a spokesperson, come out and and uh, you know with the HDA. Um, Yes. Um, and just just everything that he's done and, and with the group that he's done it with, it's it's uh, definitely a big moment for him and a big moment for, you know, black hockey players as well. I think this is important um, mm-hmm. for 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 that voice to be heard. And um, that way it makes it, uh, it makes it a more inclusive group. And I think that's what the goal is. And I think it's a uh, it's a great, uh, great time to, to choose Matt Dumba as the winner. Yeah, I mean, nothing against Henrik Lundqvist or P.K. Subban. I mean, what they've done for the community, I mean, is really great. But I don't think there's anyone more deserving of this award this year than Matt Dumba. As you mentioned uh, before, Hockey Diversity Alliance uh, being one of the key players to help form that, rebuilding areas in the wake of the protests after George Floyd's uh, death, um, helping family in needs during the coronavirus, $11,000 to Australia wildfires, and... uh, helped with educational cancer fighting charities right now um yeah and uh and i think the most important thing is him stepping up going to center ice giving that speech about systemic racism and the need to change and 
the fact that emphasizing that Black Lives Matter shows his true character, his true leadership, and his impact on the community. I mean, he brought something to our attention that, you know, he's saying that enough is enough. Many other players and other sporting events are saying enough is enough. He brought it to our attention, and it's up to us to continue the conversation and to continue educating ourselves so that we can all be better and we can achieve some sort of equality amongst everyone. Yeah, and I, a little quote from him as well, following the announcement of the award. Um, mm-hmm. he, he said, I don't want any of this to be swept under the rug. This, for me, is not just a singular moment. It's all part of this journey that I'm committed to, and I think I'm going to commit to my to this my whole life. So this is just the start. And like you mentioned, I think, you know, it's it is just the beginning. It's um, a great chance for us to continue the conversation um, to, to to make sure that uh, we open that line of co- communication and, uh, you know, don't don't just sweep it under the rug. Have ha- let, let us talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, gr- he had a great moment uh, in the bubble, as you mentioned, at Center Ice there. And, and I think that's uh, just exemplifies what needs to be done to 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 create a more inclusive world and um you know this is only the beginning this is only the beginning and we've got a long way to go and um like i said i think it was a perfect perfect uh time to to have him as the award winner he's obviously done a lot in the community and uh well deserving absolutely and i mean you could just look to I mean, despite their issues as an organization right now but the arizona coyotes opening up their arena as a polling station right now um, that's a big step considering voter suppression is a major issue in the States. And we talked about this last week. I mean, they're taking initiative. If other teams can take initiative, I mean, granted, some of the teams share the same stadiums as NBA teams, but those that don't open up your doors, make an impact that's, or even like, you know, start creating like your own funds. I mean, we're seeing, uh, some of the hopefully some of the nba teams i believe they were just trying to get like the owners to try and you know give money out of their own pockets to help be part of the change as well because we're seeing the players do something they want the owners to be a part of the impact as well so hopefully some of the owners could do the same thing in the nhl yeah no definitely um moving on to the bill masterton memorial trophy uh this this is award to a player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance sportsmanship and dedication to hockey um obviously Two players coming back from major injuries, or not major injuries, but major setbacks, Stephen mm-hmm. Johns, uh, who obviously didn't play hockey for quite some time after uh, um, concussion-like symptoms, and, and he went through a rough, a really, really rough patch, so it was obviously good seeing him come back. Um, Oscar Lindblom, another finalist. Yes. Um, you know, obviously, we talked about it last week with his Ewan's, uh, Ewan sarcoma um diagnosis and getting back out on the ice for the flyers in the in the playoff their playoff run and then finally bobby ryan who um you know battled addiction this this uh this season and uh mm-hmm. was able to come back and and i believe scored a hat trick in the re- his return to the ice um so just uh great uh three three players who are very well deserving and and uh obviously bobby ryan was the one who who was awarded the uh bill masterton memorial trophy yeah, I mean, I mean, congrats to Bobby Ryan on on winning the award. But I think I personally, I would like to see it split three ways because all three stories have such a profound impact that, you know, it's hard to pick one in this scenario. Obviously, Ryan came out, but like Limbaum beating his uh, 
beating the fight against cancer. Uh, as you mentioned with Steven Johns missing um, all of last season and 47 games with headaches in it and concu- post-concussion syndromes and Bobby Ryan with his addiction. Again, really hard to just pick one winner. I mean, I know I kind of mentioned I was rooting for Oscar Lindblom, but at the same time, I this is just a award that I think all three should win. Yeah, no, I think it's every year it's a bit of a tough one because mm-hmm. you don't really, I mean, you don't really know kind of where to go with it, and there there are always three that are so well deserving of it. Um, it, it does make it tough to choose every year. Um, that said, I think uh, you know. I think uh, it, I guess when you, you're talking about the perseverance for a guy that uh, you know was so highly touted and and Bobby Ryan and and to come back from you know it is it is a battle it's a disease addiction and and he True. was able to come back and and you know I I'll, I'll correct myself here he scored a hat trick in the first home game for the the Senators since rejo- after rejoining the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it is tough and, and I, I do think that each one of them deserves recognition and it's hard to put one name on this trophy when it's such a, you know, you have three cases where they, they're all so well deserving, but, uh, you know, obviously congratulations to Bobby Ryan and hopefully, hopefully he's on the right track and, and uh, can continue his success in, in the NHL, uh, Absolutely. His stint. Um, moving on from there, the Jack Adams award, obviously award to the NHL's best coach. Uh, the finalists were Bruce Cassidy of the Boston Bruins, John Tortorella of the Columbus Blue Jackets and Alain Vignon of the Philadelphia Flyers. Bruce Cassidy was named the award winner this time around. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, uh, I don't think it's any surprise there. Uh, he, nah. he was named, uh, on 82 of the 132 ballots. Uh, had 37 first place votes and uh, led the Bruins again to the 2019-2020 Presidents Trophy. So this is a team who's uh, always near the top, uh, have been since they put that core together. And um, you know, uh, Boston obviously ranked third in percentage of total goals off scoring chances at 56.4 percent. He uh, he was. Um, able to really coach this team who who's an aging team as well yeah. um to a to a playoff a, a decent playoff run obviously they lost to Rask in the in the midst of it and uh you know it, it was uh a good uh, good season for him good season for the uh, Bruins and you know I think well deserving for Cassidy I, I mean absolutely yeah I mean despite the rivalry he knows how to get the most out of his players. He knows how to execute, and he got the job done during the regular season. Obviously, he would have liked, and I'm pretty sure all the other players would have liked a better result in the playoffs. But, I mean, 44, 14, and 12, 100 points in 70 games, uh, more than six highest, more than the St. Louis Blues, third straight 100-point season for the club. Um you can't say any, I mean, as Leafs fans, you could always fixate on like the whole Boston Toronto series with the playoffs and everything, but you know what? He knows how to coach, give respect where, or give credit where credit is due. He's one of the top coaches in this league right now. And this season just proved it. Yeah. And worth noting, he's the fourth Boston coach to nab the award, uh, joining Don Cherry, Pat Burns and Claude Julian. So, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, obviously a good good history of, of coaches in Boston and uh, well-deserved for Cassidy. For sure. And I'm looking at uh, some of the other stats as well. 3.21 goals per game, 6. 2.52 allowed. That's first in the league. Uh, 24.9 power play percentage, second. 82.6 penalty kill, third. And 50.8 face-off win percentage, tied for ninth. So top 10. A lot of top top five, top three, top 10 categories right there. So... Yeah, he's 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 the winner this year. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Frank J. Selke Trophy, voted on by the PHWA. Uh, this trophy is awarded to the NHL's best defensive forward finalists. I mean, I don't think there's any question that uh, Patrice Bergeron was a finalist this year. Yeah. Uh, Sean Couturier, Ryan O'Reilly, and the winner was Sean Couturier in Philadelphia. I think that's the most noteworthy um, kind of thing to take away from this this trophy win uh, obviously Bergeron is a is a perennial winner of this award and it's uh it's good to see somebody different uh taking home the hardware this year for sure I mean yeah it's great to see because every basically every single year they work oh okay he's gonna win it you know um not so much not so much Bergeron's got some competition this time around and you know Couturier made a significant impact this year um, being an effective two-way player in both the offensive zone and in his own zone. I mean, I'm looking at his uh, defensive zone face-off win percentage, 59.5%. Second in that category, um, led the NHL in face-off winning percentage, 596 uh, uh, with a minimum of 750 attempts, um, almost 60 points. And Philadelphia Flyers were on a tear at the end of the year, and he was a major reason for that. Um, but looking at some of the other names on this list, aside from Bergeron and O'Reilly, Anthony Sorelli got a lot of significant attention. Mark Stone, Philip Deneau, Kopitar has already been in the running and won the award. Braden Point, Barkov, uh, Jonathan Tate is still getting some love. Austin Matthews got a first place vote. Um, so you got a lot of young players and a lot of great talent that are starting to adapt to that two-way game that can literally compete for this trophy every single year and it's going to be a dogfight to the very end to see who the top three will be because there are a lot of great names on this list that can actually push for this award and Kateri is one of them that can prove it yeah no definitely um and I think he's a guy that's going to be kind of the Bergeron type guy of the next generation and, and he'll be he'll be one that's up there for quite some time in terms of the Selkie voting uh on a year year to year basis so it'll be good for him 27 uh, years he's, 20, yeah he's got he can i mean i don't know if he's going to win the award as much as bergeron but he'll definitely get the nods and the recognition for it so i think i think he could do it i think he could be a consistent two-way threat now and he's found his calling it took a while for him to get into the group but the last few years he's emerged tremendously right now yeah i know definitely um moving on uh, obviously lady bing uh not much to say about this nathan mckinnon uh top class uh player um finalists were mckinnon matthews and ryan o'reilly um mckinnon was awarded the uh the award and uh 93 points in 69 games and only 12 penalty minutes so definitely a guy who uh liked to be on the ice rather than in the box and uh capitalized when he was given the opportunity so uh definitely uh, you know somebody again like like we said with uh Couturier, who's going to be up there from year to year and um 
you know, well deserving of the award. Obviously, he's a top-notch player, and and it's good to see those guys get the uh, get the hardware. Yeah, and I'm just going to read a quote from McKinnon right now. Uh, I respect my opponents. I don't want to be dirty. I also want to be trusted by the coaching staff that I won't take penalties and things like that. I guess with my skating, I try to use my legs to stick check and things like that and not take unnecessary minors. But I never thought that I'd win this award. Usually I get more minors than this, but obviously I'm very honored. He just said it. He uses his legs, his skating, his smarts, he and he hurts you more so when trying to rip the puck off you and getting that puck on net than in the box. And he's making that impact for his team positively instead of net in a negative light where, you know, you would probably see, unex- like, not necessarily to call him unexperienced, but you would see other players most likely take a penalty. But because of his smarts, he knows how to get his stick in the right place. He knows how to get into the opponent's face with his speed and... I don't, I don't like the Couturier Award, um, like the King Clancy. I don't think there's anyone more deserving than, than Nathan McKinnon right now. No, 100%. And um, like I said, obviously top-end player in the league and and a guy that you want to see kind of get recognized for that uh, that play that he, he, he puts on on a night-to-night basis. So, um, and Jim, before we jump, I, before we jump, sorry, I just wanted yeah, to no mention problem. Austin Matthews got – a significant amount of attention with um, the voting. And we saw some of that two-way play starting to emerge in the Columbus series right now. So if he can find that sort of consistency, then yeah, he's, he will be a winner for this award at some point as well. Yeah. He he also has the potential to be, uh, to, to, to be up for the Selkie award as well. Um, Mm -hmm. A guy who definitely is his back checking is starting to play a huge role for him. So that'll be worth noting that, uh, you know, um, could could Matthews earn some of the individual awards? Quite possibly. And it'll be Gary. it's first time in a long time that we've seen, you know, a Leaf get significant recognition for a lot of these awards. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. Um, the Jim Gregory GM of the Year Award uh, just announced uh, finalists were Julian Breezebois in Tampa Bay. Uh, Lou Lamorello in New York and Jim Nill in Dallas. Uh, obviously Lamorello got it. Um, you know, it's, good, uh, good, good, uh, recognition for him considering where the Islanders sort of came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously dealing with Tavares or not dealing Tavares, but letting Tavares walk and, and what they've been able to do since then. It's, uh, definitely a big, a big, uh, nod to him on, uh, what he's been able to put together in, in New York. No, definitely. And I think a lot of credit goes to Barry Trotz to coach with what he has that, you know, Lamorella has gone out and get. I mean, they filled out their depth with like, you know, two Toronto Maple Leaf players and Leo Komarov and Matt Martin. And they're starting to they're starting to merge right now. And Trotz is getting the most out of us, especially Matt Martin, who's becoming a sniper lately. Um, looking at this online, like especially on Twitter, a lot of people are. You know, this is probably the most controversial award because I don't know if it's the whole thing with like some of the decisions that Lou has made in the past in terms of like contracts. I mean, there was the Andrew Ladd contract and everything like that. Um, I'm not sure if that was him specifically who signed him, but there have been, you know, some question marks with Lou lately. I'm not trying to take this award from him. He he has made some really good decisions. He brought in J.G. Pajot, um, and he's been really effective. 
for me, I probably would have gone with Julian Breezeball, mainly because, you know, the moves that he made this year just made Tampa Bay more deadly, and it's showing on the on-ice product right now, even without Steven Stamkos. So they have the depth to continually to fight, and I know they're going up against the Islanders, but still, you know, Lou's made some really great choices. Could it have gone to Breezeball or Jim Nill? Absolutely. But I think this is one of those awards that, you know, there's some controversy or like some skepticism going in as to who should have won it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think that's the, that's the fun part with awards. There's always, <clears throat> there's always a discussion to be had on, uh, you know, if it could have gone a different way. Um, but, uh, you know, either way, um, Lou, good job. Uh, yes. Unfortunately it wasn't with Toronto. Um, yeah. that would have been nice too, but, uh, you know, obviously, Happy for the guy and uh, de- oh, definitely well-deserving. For sure. Um, also worth noting that uh, the Islanders are in the conference finals for the first time in 26 years, which was the previous uh, longest stint since making the con- conference finals last. Uh, so that's uh, that's worth noting. And I think, you know, I think while we don't allow the playoffs to get in into the uh, the voting for these awards, I, I do think that at, at this point there was some some kind of maybe I don't know I think I think it came into play a little bit uh, this time around just with with how the season ended and everything. For sure, yeah. And you know what? This was a year of uncertainty. And if there if there was like one underdog <clears throat> team to go and make the conference finals, it would be the New York Islanders. Because they play that good mix of like, you know, steady defense, but they can hurt you offensively in transition. And we've seen that. We've seen that with Matt Barzell. We've seen that with Anders Lee. We've seen that with Anthony Beauvillier, who's really starting to emerge right now. Um, they got defense that knows how to jump into the rush as well with Ryan Pollock. They got, they got a good blend and they got the depth. Where they where Barry Trotz knows how to utilize those depth guys. I don't think he got the most out of Leo Komarov and Matt Martin, or not ne- necessarily him, but Mike Babcock got the most out of them, because I think maybe he wanted them to be that you know, okay, don't bother scoring, just go out and hit and do your thing. Barry Trotz, I think, is trying to get that with Matt Martin right now. We're actually seeing it, and yeah, I this is a team that many should not have slept on and we're seeing why yeah no definitely um <clears throat> definitely uh worth watching that the conference final and see see what they're able to do against tampa obviously a co- close uh close series right now but um you know i think they've uh, definitely emerged as as probably the uh the biggest underdog so far in the these playoffs and um you know it's good to it's good to see uh players like martin and komarov have have an input have a role mm-hmm. um be able to get things done and, and you know still play the physical side of the game which both of them love to do and, and uh and add something offensively for the 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 islanders as well um moving on to some trade news uh we had a couple trades since our last episode um mm-hmm. the pittsburgh penguins moved center nick bugstad 28 year old nick bugstad to uh the Minnesota Wild for a conditional fifth round pick, I believe, in 2021. Um, actually, sorry, it's a, just a conditional pick in 2021. So, um, obviously, you know, Bugstad missed time uh, last season with um, 
with a core injury, uh, core muscle mm-hmm. injury. Uh, obviously, shortened season didn't help, but he only played 13 games for the Penguins. And while he is only 28 years old, the Minnesota native, I'm sure, would love to to play for his hometown Wild. Um, while the Penguins will eat up an unspecified amount of Bukestad's salary for next season as well. So he's on the last year of his deal, um, which he signed uh, back in, uh, it was a, so a six-year deal, $24.6 million. So mm-hmm. um, definitely a good pickup for the Wild if uh, he can, he can kind of come back and, and have a comeback season. Um, you know, obviously he's got the size. He's a six foot six, two hundred fifteen pound uh, player. Um, has the ha, we've seen the skill in in Florida. I just I don't think he's ever sort of come into fruition in terms of what he was expected to do when he was drafted. So um, it'll be interesting to see if the Wild can get something out of him that uh, maybe he hasn't shown so far in his career. And um, I think it's a good solid uh, depth pickup for the Wild. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, you know, his contract, too, was 4.1 for the next year. But Pittsburgh is retaining a portion of that salary as well. So this is, you know, them trying to retool, regroup and try and start off fresh because like the Washington Capitals, they're not not necessarily their window is closing, but they want to get the most out of a roster with, you know, two of like maybe the top 10 centers in the league right now and Crosby and Malkin. Right. Yeah. But, no, uh, definitely. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, Busev was like really great in Florida when they traded him to Pittsburgh. I thought it was a really great pick. Obviously with the injury and everything failed to deliver. I mean, you really can't help with the injury, but hopefully this time around Minnesota started to like, you know, go on a really good run at the end they showed some promise and uh, you know what? I'd like to see what he can do if he can center with Kevin Fiala because he was a real threat for the Minnesota wild during that last uh, stretch. And I want to try, I don't know how many goals he got, but he had like double digit goals during that time before the end of the season. So hoping to see what he can do. And if he can still sort of be that impact center and hopefully make uh, Kevin Fiala that much better as well. Yeah, and for Fiala, obviously a 24-year-old, still very young, uh, had three goals and an assist in the four games that Minnesota played in their play-in round. So um, definitely a guy that uh, has the ability to get things done. It'll It'll be interesting, too, to see if, like you said, Bukestad can kind of bring that to offensive uh offensive play out a little bit more from Fiala 54 points in 64 games uh in in the 2019-2020 shortened season for Fiala so yeah uh it'll be it'll be interesting um and, and kind of going off of that um there was news that surfaced that Minnesota will not resign Miko Koivu uh uh probably because of uh depth moves that they're looking to yeah. do um Obviously, the end of an era for for Koivu. Um, you know, he's a guy that uh, played his has played his entire career with Minnesota. Drafted first round, sixth overall in twenty or sorry, two thousand and one. Um, over that over that span, two hundred and five goals and seven hundred nine points in a thousand twenty eight games. Uh, like I said, thirty seven year old has played his entire career with Minnesota. 
obviously, you know, he might uh, he might look for a, a small ticket uh, somewhere uh, to, to continue his NHL career, but it uh, doesn't look like it's going to be in Minnesota. You could probably get Nico Koivu the same way Toronto got Jason Spezza last year, you know. Production slowly dipping. I mean, 21 points in 55 games this year may fall further down the depth chart, but he could still be an impact player for any team whatsoever. I mean, you know, he, you know, he could be like effective on like maybe a second power play penalty kill and everything like that as well. Um, I'd be, I it wouldn't surprise me to see if someone takes a, a run at him with league average or maybe just one, 1. 1.5 mil. There's not a whole lot of, you know, risk involved because you know what you're getting. It's just that offensive production is not the same as what it used to. Yeah, and I, I think, too, he's never really been that super offensive juggernaut either. Like, he's, mm-hmm. you know, his, his career high is 71 points back in yes. 2009-10, um, you know, in, in 80 games. So he's never been a point-per-game per guy. Obviously, as you mentioned, over the last few seasons, um, you know, his highest being 58 in 2016-2017. Um, but he's a guy that definitely can slot in in the in the bottom six and you know take some key faceoffs for you too. He's a he's mm-hmm. a he's a career fifty three percent faceoff guy, so fifty three point seven percent. So I mean, definitely a guy that you can you know stick in there in in big moments and and you know earn yourself the puck and and get better opportunities in the offensive end. So. Just a guy that uh, you know might float around for another year or two, but uh, it's definitely looking like Koivu's career is slowly coming to a close here. Um, obviously, a, a, a good uh, good career so far, and hopefully, this isn't the end of it, and he can kind of go out on his own terms. This is kind of like another Joe Thornton situation right now. You know, still effective, <clears throat> points on the decline, aging, window out of championships coming to an end. Obviously, uh, I get, I would assume some Stanley Cup contender would love to have him on as a leadership and mentor uh, in the mentor and leadership role. Um, yeah, I, I honestly do think that, you know, if you're looking for like a center with experience and, you know, the ability to be a key centerman, Koivu and Thornton are your guys. And I think Mikko Koivu would definitely have a home this year. Yeah, I know for sure. And uh, like you said, a guy that you can sign to the minimum and hopefully uh, plays a uh, leadership role on, on some team. So um, another trade to, to note uh, Montreal bolstered their back end by uh, picking up Joel Edmondson from the Carolina hurricanes for a fifth rounder in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, again, another great depth move by, uh, by the, by the Canadians. <clears throat> and um, obviously, you know, acquiring him, they they kind of put him and Jake Allen back together uh, from their St. Louis days. So it'll be good for Edmondson to get uh, get to Montreal and, and really help and bolster that uh, back end. Uh, obviously, a, a, a younger team and, and Edmondson being a guy that uh, has a little bit more veteran leadership. So um, good move by by Bergevin and the, uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I mean, it, it increases their depth. I mean, I mean, looking at, I mean, not to bring up Twitter again, but a lot of the people are posting charts about him and his underlying analytic numbers, and it's painting a different picture from what we've seen. Uh, if you're not following Jack Hahn, I would I would recommend him following because he 
puts up like some really great coaching tactic tweets and analysis because he was a former AHL assistant coach and NHL analyst as well. Um, he's ba- he there's one tweet where he said some non uh, metrics on Edmondson. Very little patience with the puck, off the glass as soon as he sniffs pressure, defensive skating is exploitable, and wanders all over the ice in Carolina instead of supporting teammates in predictable spots. I honestly, I really haven't seen a whole lot of Edmondson except for like, you know, the odd time when, you know, there's there was like a St. Louis or Carolina game or when Toronto's playing Carolina. And there were times where he was noticeable. There were times where he really you know made a really major mistake and it cost his team like a scoring chance or offensive zone pressure so it'll be interesting to see how he turns things around in uh, montreal because the the jury's still out there it could go either way it could be it could end up being a great move for uh, montreal or it could end up being one that you know maybe bergeron would bergevin i don't know why i said bergeron (laughs) would probably maybe think twice about but it, it's the jury's still out there. Yeah, it's also worth noting that he is an un, uh, pending unrestricted free agent uh, come October 9th. So this is this is more of a move to try and uh, lock him up prior to his contract expiring. Um, obviously, coming off a one-year deal, $3.1 million, And I believe that uh, there was talk at the beginning of the season that he would hold out if he didn't get the money that he wanted. And that's why St. Louis did end up moving him. But, yeah. um, you know, a guy that... Uh, like you said, it's the jury's out on 27-year-old, 72 points in 337 career games. Um, did win the the Stanley Cup with the Blues in 2019, mm-hmm. but uh, you know more of your your four, five, six defensemen. Um, yeah. Worth watching though, because as I mentioned, you know if you can add a big body like that to to your blue line, he's a guy that uh, obviously can help in front of uh, goaltenders like Jake Allen and uh, Carey Price. So it, it could be could be a, a good decision, and uh, it'll, we'll just have to wait and see and see how Montreal plays this year. Not only that, Carolina did have some, you know, major injuries on the back. Hamilton was out for quite some time. Brett Pesci had an injury uh, in the second half of the season. So when two of your top four guys go down, obviously players have to move up in the lineup. And I think... You have to take into consideration, too, maybe Edmondson was not, you know, comfortable if he was put in that spot, um, kind of like Justin Hole, where he was leading the second pairing by himself when Jake Muzzin was out. Um, again, it all depends on the situation, if you're up to the challenge or not. Like you said, four, five, six guy, anything higher than that, I think you may be asking a little bit too much for him. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I think he's he's definitely a bottom pairing, maybe a second pairing guy, but not not uh, not your leader when you're talking about your top uh, top two pairings by any 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 shot. Um, going on from there, obviously the Caps uh, fired Reardon earlier uh, this month. Um, some big names that are being interviewed for the job: Gerard Gallant. And former Leafs coach Mike Babcock. Uh, so we talked about Babcock being back in the NHL uh, in, in an earlier episode. And uh, obviously it is a possibility. Um, there is this new age movement in in NHL coaches and players and how, how players are dealt with. And obviously Babcock's got that uh, old school mentality. Yeah. But uh, definitely some big names uh, in the hat for um, 
for the Caps job. And and uh, I know I know me personally, I would probably go Gerard Gallant just uh, seeing what he's been able to do with teams over the last few seasons. And um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see who ends up behind the bench for for Washington uh, when the 2020-21 season starts. No, definitely, and I fully agree with you on Gerard Gallant possibly being in the front running over Mike Babcock. I mean, they have a choice. They could go with his with Babcock's extensive resume from the NHL, international play, everything else like that, or do you go with the recent success in Gerard Gallant? And not to say that, you know, he had like a T well, he basically they were, they were basically essentially the misfits after the, you know, um expansion draft with Vegas and he was the head coach behind the bench and he took them to the cup final in their first year. Um, if he could do that with a team that he had, he could definitely get the most out of Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Carlson with a team that has a star studded lineup. And I honestly do think that they go with Gallant. He has the pedigree and he knows how to play that skill level game, but also that, fast pressure kind of system that we've seen uh, Washington play with, especially when they were um, on route to their Stanley cup a few years back. So I think Gallant might be, if we're, if I'm not a betting guy, but I would pick Gerard Gallant as my pick for the coach over Mike Babcock's point. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And uh, it'll be interesting, like I said, to see who ends up behind the bench and, mm-hmm. and how they are, they are able to coach a, a star studded lineup like uh the the caps with uh you know guys like kuznetsov and and ovechkin leading the leading the charge there so um moving on to the world juniors obviously something here in canada we love the world juniors at christmas time um Mm -hmm. you know it's 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 basically a yearly ritual to sit down boxing day you get the the game on you know some great battles in past past years with with russia the u.s um you know, some great memories for me as a child watching the World Juniors. Yeah. Something that we might miss out on this year round. Uh, the 2021 uh, World Juniors, obviously the double, double IHF, is looking for ways to get it done, to make it happen. Um, there is a possibility that we could be looking at a World Junior bubble and not mm-hmm. being played in front of fans what are your thoughts on this? I mean, we not to say that, you know, this is like their few, like junior, like whenever players go to the world junior championships or any major junior tournament, they're betting on their future. Cause this is all a showcase for them to try and, you know, get to that next step and make a name for themselves. And we already missed out. No, I mean, obviously with circumstances, we missed out on the U 18s earlier this year. Honestly, I think with the way that the NHL has done their bubble, this can be replicated and it can be successful. I mean, there's no other way to look at it other than that if the double IHF does go through with it, this is the perfect example. I mean, obviously, Pierre LeBrun speculated that Edmonton would be the main bubble hub. Um, No other games anywhere else, just in that one area. And I think you could still manage to do that. With all the other teams, you may have to extend the schedule a little bit. If you do four games each day in one arena, it may be a little bit challenging, but it probably can still be done. And I think this whole situation is likely to happen, especially in Canada right now, where, I mean, despite the uptick in the cases, 
a bubble system does work. And I feel like if you don't want to go Edmonton, there are probably other options out east as well, where, you know, you have junior teams with uh, like NHL sized arenas. You got Halifax, you got Moncton, um, you got Cape Breton as well. The east has been far more complicit in trying to keep their numbers down in terms of cases that you could probably be successful there as well. And again, like you said, whether fans will be able to attend remains to be seen. But if they're looking for December, fans know. But if they're looking for something maybe early next year in February, March, then maybe fans could be a possibility. I'm not saying it is, but if again, it all depends on science. It all depends on the research and vaccines. And if we're able to get back to some sort of normalcy, especially if fans want to get back into the stadium. So people get your act together if you want to go back and watch sports. Yeah, Little no, PSA there. I was going to say, I, I think I think Halifax, you nailed it. I think Halifax is a great spot to, to, to host it. And uh, obviously, like you said, Out East has really kind of controlled their numbers lately. Uh, we've seen an uptick here in Ontario. Um, mm. uh, but, you know, if, if people start getting smart again and, and lock it down for a little bit, folks, like don't yeah. don't be going out to these bars. Don't be going out to these big gatherings. Get stuff done, you know. Yeah. Um, go out there and put your masks on. Do what you need to do to, to bring those numbers back down because, you know, from the get-go, we've been talking about this second wave and, and it will impact sports as well. Yeah. And if you want your sports to be happening, guys, get out there. Stop what you're doing and and let your fellow fellow people know, like, this isn't going to change anytime soon. This mm-hmm. isn't going to change anytime soon. Just find a way to do things where you're still – isolated and separated from from the world otherwise this is going to continue to to rise and and we're going to just have more and more problems we're going to see more and more deaths we're going to see more and more cases that's not what we want to see right now yeah no 100 percent. and the the quicker you follow the rules or the more people follow the rules the more we can get back to normal i i don't know how much more simple we could get just listen to what the scientists are saying. Like they know what they're talking about. We don't. I, the most I took in science was biology. And even then I just got like, you know, like a 70, I wasn't even that great in science. I was surprised I got a 70 in biology in grade 11. So you know what? Listen to the people who have been studying these diseases, who have been following the trends and everything like that. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. The quicker we do that, the quicker we could go back to normal to go back to these, um, scenarios where we can have these gatherings, going to sports events and everything like that. And in, again, still going back to the World Juniors, if it means keeping the players safe and nobody is allowed in, so be it. We already saw that with the NHL. We saw that with N- the NBA. Keep it that way until people get their act together. Yep. Televise the games. Enjoy it at home. Uh, you know, beer's cheaper, food's cheaper. There you yeah. go. I mean, like, let's face it, you and me both. Wouldn't it be great to go out and watch a hockey game, baseball game right now at a bar? Even the Toronto Raptors, like the this series would have been a great time to go out to a bar and watch a game with a couple beers, wings, drinks, friends, good times, everything. You don't think we want to go back to that spot? Absolutely. But we're not going to risk it just because of like, you know, of the of the pandemic. This is risky. This isn't something to bet your life on no look folks i i have a four-month-old son and by next year i want to be taking him to hockey games so let's let's get our act together here 
Um, you know, this is a kid that uh, wants to see hockey. He's already sitting there watching it on the TV with me. <laughs> Let's make sure that I can take my little guy to, to some hockey games next season, all right? Do it for Andrew's little guy, all right? Hashtag, down. hashtag do it for do it for Oakley. Hashtag, get it, let's get that trending. Do it for Oakley. <laughs> hashtag let's get it. Um, enough COVID talk for this episode. We yes. we, we touch on yes. it every every episode, but we're gonna continue to and and push it in your face until we get this stuff done. Um, I want to jump over to Maple Leafs talk. Let's um, do it. That's why they're all here for. That's what you're here for. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously free agent uh, forwards are are a discussion we want to have. The fifteenth pick. Let's have those discussions. What do you see with free agency coming? Obviously, we talked to Mark Masters last week. He mm-hmm. said that the the Casper Kapanen deal was just the beginning for the, the the Leafs this offseason. Where are we going with free agency? Well, obviously, you know you're they're going to be looking at defense. I mean, I already you know where I stand on the defensive positioning. I mean, try and go after Kristanov, Gudis. Dylan DeMello, if Dustin Bufflin is healthy, try and go after a big buff. But if you do go forwards, you're going to look at something cheap and effective. You're looking at guy, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at someone like Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons, Craig Smith is a really interesting name that I really want to get because I think he would thrive in Toronto system. And even Melker Carlson. I mean, I, I posted this article out just yesterday, and even then, some people are... I'm getting some feedback like you did with your cadre piece, saying that, oh, why are we getting old and everything like that? I thought they wanted to go young. Yeah, but there comes a point where, you know... I mean, Simmons is an interesting case because his numbers have been on the decline, and Chris Ferrier came out with... Our other Maple Leafs writer came out with a really good in-depth analysis on why maybe we shouldn't sign Wayne Simmons because of his offensive production and numbers. But... Someone like Joe Thornton, they're like, oh, we don't, the long awaited, like, you know, rumors of like, or signings of players past their primes and everything like that. We don't need that kind of player. If he could still play, yeah. And I think Joe Thornton is one of those guys where he could step up and be a bottom six, you know, impact player, third or fourth line, wherever Sheldon Keith decides to put him. But he may not put up the 60, 70, 80, 100 point seasons like he used to, but he could still chip in for like, you know, under 10 goals, but even be that setup guy. And with his size, with his, you know, edge and with his experience of being in the playoffs, a center depth of Matthews, Tavares, and Thornton, albeit it would have been great to have a younger Joe Thornton, like maybe, you know, four or five, six years ago. But it's still a really good depth move. And I think Alex Kerfoot it might be could be on the way out. I mean, you could also look at Andreas Janssen as maybe the next to fall in line, too. They may hang on to Kerfoot and then maybe go with Joe Thorne as your fourth line center and Spets on the wing if they choose to resign him. The possibilities are endless right now. I mean, it's really interesting to see right now. And I really love the option of Craig Smith as well. This is a guy who's been on the third line for quite some time for Nashville, and he's put up close to 20 goals. Second power play unit, um, had an expected goal, individual expected goals for of 12, had depth, 14 this year. Depth fantasy guy every single year, I'm telling yes. you. Depth Hit, fantasy guy. Hit, shots, everything. And looking at, he led the team in goals for percent, or not necessarily led the team in goals for percentage, but had the high, one of the highest goals for percentage. For the Predators at 5-on-5 on one of the highest Corsi 4 percentages, 55.18. 
He's a possession machine. He's offense. He's got some good speed. He can get on the forecheck. He's a Kyle Dubas kind of player if you're looking at the underlying numbers, but he's also a Sheldon Keith kind of player. Let me just throw out a few other names for you. All right. What about, what about a guy like Vladislav Nemesnikov, 27 years old, has played every forward position, 31 points in 65 games last year, 17 goals. Um, you know, in 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 15 minutes of play uh, on average. Um, just a guy that you know maybe is under undervalued a little bit, uh, especially in a, in a system like Colorado. Mm-hmm. And and one thing you mentioned too is you know you you're getting a lot of heat for hey, are we trying to get older? Are we trying to get younger here? And I think one of the things we have to note too is that for the Leafs, your top six are young. Your top six are yeah. are are a good core. What you're looking at filling out is your bottom six. Mm-hmm. So to have an older guy down there, to have some veteran leadership, like. I would sign I would sign back a Spezza. For me personally, I think he added so much value to that yep. team last year. Um, to have a guy like that come back and and be on that fourth line, he knows the role he's playing. Yeah, he's not he's not going out there to try and play twenty minutes a game. He's going out there to play his seven, eight, nine minutes a game and and be effective when he's on the ice. And to, for me, I I think he was effective for the money that you gave him. Yeah, for the absolutely. role that you put him in. Yeah, um, and just going off on that, he, he do drop the gloves when we would never expect him to drop the gloves yeah. in a playoff game, and it sort of like elevated the team's play to try and get back to you know that that led to that comeback in Game Four. So he understand he understands what's needed at certain points of the game, and yeah. and I think you know whether you're pro fighting, anti fighting, whatever you are. He, underst- he understood at that point in the game, the Leafs needed a spark, and it took them some time still afterwards to turn things around. But regardless, the energy that came out of it is what is what was needed, and that and that was the goal there. And so, just to go, sorry, just to go back on the Joe Thornton for one quick second. People are saying that oh, because he's old, he's going to break down or whatever. He's still very durable for forty at forty years old. So, you know what? Don't knock a 40-year-old guy until you give him that opportunity. He can still play. Played through a leg injury last in, during last year's playoffs. There you go. Like this guy go. this guy is is built like uh you know, I, I he's he's from just south of uh where I am in London here mm-hmm. and uh you know, comes back in the summers and works on the farm sometimes. Yeah. Like this guy this guy is a legit beast. So for I, you know, I would love to see him in Toronto. I would love to see him in some blue and white. I don't, I don't know if it'll happen, but, um, I, you know, it'd be, it'd be great, great to see him come, come home and play a year here, and, you know, it'd be awesome, uh, to have Thorne there. But, you know, just two more names I want to throw out there: yes. Eric, Eric Halla, floor in Florida, twenty nine years old, center Ooh. left wing. Uh, 12 goals, 12 assists for 24 points in 48 games last year. Again, a guy who played just under 16 minutes a, a, a game. Um, you know, and I know when he's just he's a guy that uh, you know can has that has that speed, has that energy. He has had some injury history, but uh, again, a guy that you could probably sign to a, a smaller contract and, and he could have that kind of impact that uh, you know you're looking for in your bottom six. Mm-hmm. Last guy that I've been kind of eyeballing a little bit is Connor Sheary in Pittsburgh. Yes. Now, obviously, Toronto Pittsburgh have the trade history. Um, I think they had from from what we've seen have a decent relationship. 
is he a guy that you could kind of, you know, sign um, and and maybe or even do a, a sign and trade before the October 9th uh, deadline for mm-hmm. free agency? It, you know, it's it's possible. Um, but I, I think, in, again, a guy in that system, he's just not valued the way that he should be. Um, and he's only playing 13 minutes a game last season. 10 yeah. goals, 13 assists, 23 points in 63 games playing in that depth role. So, you know, 28 years old, he's still got a lot of hockey ahead of him, but he's a, he's a guy that you could stick in that bottom bottom six and and uh, get a lot out of him. So just a few more names to toss out, yeah. but there's a lot of players in free agency right now that Toronto should look at. Matt Bolesky's another guy, um, 32 years old, just another guy worth thinking about, but so much, uh, so much depth talent in that yeah. in the free agent pool coming out that I think Toronto is going to, going to make a splash for sure. For sure. And if I were to rank the three that you mentioned, I honestly completely forgot about Eric Halla. He's actually at the top of my list of those names. I would love to have his speed and his energy on that third line. And I think if you could trade away one of Kerfoot or Janssen, you can easily give him that money and that it will be a really good contract to have with his contributions and his play style. Another guy worth thinking about too, Jimmy VC. Jimmy VC, 27 yes. year old winger. They were supposed um, to be in on him when he was the whole VC sweepstakes happened. Exactly. And again, another guy who, aside from, you know, one year in, in New York where he, he put up some decent numbers has been completely undervalued. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you gotta you gotta look deep into free agency to find these names, but it's it's guys like that that you're gonna you're gonna build your depth, you're gonna build your your character on, and this is a team that for so many seasons now we've talked about not having the kind of character that you need to get through the playoffs, and um, you know this is I think I think free agency is where they're gonna find it. I'm not going I'm yeah. not saying go out there and sign you know four or five players. Go out there and sign oh. one or two guys that are gonna turn this team around. And that's the thing. And, and you mentioned it before with like, you know, our top six being solidified right now with players like, you know, under 30. I mean, Tavares is slowly creeping up there uh, to the 30 limit. But like Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Hyman, they're still relatively young. <clears throat> and a few more names that I also want to throw out as well. Trevor Lewis from the Los Angeles Kings. Chris has mentioned him a lot as well. Again, Jesper Foss from the New York Rangers. Johan Larson from the Buffalo Sabres and Matt Nieto from the Colorado Avalanche are other names that they could look to bolster their depth. And with what I saw with Matt Nieto during the playoffs, I kind of liked with what I saw. So Dubis has some choices to make in terms of like how he's going to fill out that depth. If Andreas Yancey comes back or if Kurt comes back, it's, it's again, we said this before, it's going to be a long and interesting off season and he's got some tough decisions to make right now. It's going to be great. I think it's, you know, it's going to be one of the best off seasons we've seen in a while, not just for the Leafs, but for, for the NHL as a league. There's so many free agents out there. There's going to be a lot of movement. Yeah. Um, you're not going to recognize a lot of these teams when they come back to play the 2021 season. For sure. No, you're going to have, even like with bigger names like Alex Petrangelo, I'm starting to think that maybe he leans to going somewhere else right now. If the proposed deal was seven years seven million over five years and he wants closer to eight in between eight and nine yeah that's still a significant gap if you're the st louis blues right now so entering as you said a lot of movement can happen salary cap issues teams are going to be strapped trades are going to happen also you got to worry about the expansion draft coming up soon so 
yeah, a lot of a lot of variables this off season. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And um, we mentioned it last uh, episode: Toronto grabbing the 15th pick uh, in the 2020 NHL draft. Um, it could yes. be used as a potential trade piece, or the Leafs could use it to bolster their already insane prospect pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, where, where do you go from here? 15th overall pick. Where do you go from here? Uh, that's a really good choice or interesting question because I have three players in mind that they should take. But two are more like the safe pick, you know, kind of go with that best player available kind of approach. For me, wishful thinking, I don't think he's going to be there by the time Toronto picks at 15th. Askarov, Yaroslav Askarov, who is like the biggest goalie phenom right now to come out of Russia. And it could be a franchise name for any team who gets him. It would help us because it would help our goalie situation. Um, Obviously, Frederick Anderson... Is he's going to need a new contract if he gets traded, if he doesn't get traded. So many questions around him. If you get another goalie right now for four or five years that you can lock up, Askarov could be your guy going forward. No doubt about it. Rodian Amirov, excellent two-way player, kind of like Anton Lindell. Obviously, Lindell is probably going to be a top 10 pick, but Amirov would be a great consolation prize to have if he falls that low. I don't think so. I think he's more of a you know, in between that 12 to 13 spot. And I think he could go from there, but a lot of love and a lot of promises going to this next player right here. And a lot of people, and I, I'm going to shout out Sammy, uh, Sammy T on Twitter and from Dauber prospects as well for jump, for getting me on board with the Braden Schneider train. And I'm loving the more that I see clips of him and how he plays, it's what Toronto needs. And you can make the argument that he could be a 20 guy. Toronto could trade down if they keep that pick, if he's still available or just take him at 15th. Cause some draft mocks and some rankings have him in between 12 to 17. Given what they lack on the right-hand side, I think he's probably your best option right now. Not necessarily best player available, but you're going for a positional need, and he can fill that right now. And he's close. I'm not saying he's making the jump into the NHL next year, but maybe a year or two from now, he could see he could start seeing some NHL minutes. And I'm really hoping that maybe they could draft him. Yeah, and as you mentioned, obviously, you know they'd be drafting for position, uh, which I think is where they need to go at this point in time. Um, forget, forget what the best available pick is at, in that spot. I think, uh, even if, you know, he's projected kind of mid twenties, um, if, if he's a guy that maybe you can move down and, and nab an extra pick, yeah. um, you know, that'd be, that'd be something that is worth thinking about as well. But, you know, six two, hundred hundred eighty, or sorry, 209 pounds, um, still growing, obviously an 18 year old, uh, coming out of Brandon. Uh, with the Wheat King, Wheat, Wheat King, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last season, 42 points, seven goals, 35 assists, 42 points in 60 games for the the Wheat Kings. Um, comes as advertised, big body, has the offensive prowess, 
42 penalty minutes, not a way, not afraid to get into the physical areas, the grimy areas of the game and, yeah. and, and really be that physical uh, specimen as well. Um, obviously war letter the last two seasons um, w- with Brandon uh, was the captain of the Canada under 17 white team um, in 2017, uh, 18. So this is a guy who comes as advertised, has the leadership Um you know, definitely, definitely a guy that I think Toronto should look at uh, if they do decide to hold on to that 15th overall pick. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to throw out a couple scenarios where obviously one is a clip where I watched of him during the U18s. Um, I believe it was last year or the year before. It was against Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes, we know he was a phenomenal prospect and skater, but he did the outside. Knowing Braden Schneider's size, he probably could have done that. But Braden kept, he has excellent gap control. And he has the ability to block out any forwards who's trying to get around him. He's got a long reach. And what happened was Hughes was trying to get around him. Schneider was pushing him closer and closer to the boards. And he ties him up. And it leads to like him knocking the puck loose, player coming back, and they go the other way. He has that vision to know when to tie up, when to get involved, when to make that big hit along the boards. He's and also during the World Junior um, selection camp that I was in last year, he was one of the he he was cut from the team. Obviously, they wanted to go with a more mobile skill set, and they they already had Kevin Ball as sort of like their defensive specialist. But if it was any other year, Braden Schneider would have made that team. Because he didn't look out of place at all, especially during the scrimmages and the exhibition games against U Sports. He was very sound positionally. And that's one thing that you want from a defender. But he was able to also jump into the rush. He knows how to sneak in behind the defenders and get into that open area. So that way, if someone does give him an open pass, he has a good shot and a very quick release that he can get it on that quick. And... Honestly, he's a again complete package player that they should be taking right now, and I think he's probably in just my take. He's probably the next best defenseman behind uh, Jamie Drysdale and Jake Sanderson. You could probably look at maybe Caden Gooley as another option, but you need that right hand side. Yeah, no, and and I agree, and and just kind of going off your points there is, I think uh, Schneider as well. Um, he's a guy that plays. He's very poised. Um, obviously, cool, calm, collected with the puck, and for for a guy to be able to do that at 18, um, you know, not not get uh, overwhelmed when when he's got the the opponents coming on to him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's that says something about the way that he plays the game as well. So. Um, it'll be interesting. I just have this feeling that they'll be able to trade down and still take them, you know, around 20, 25. Yeah. Um, uh, I just have this feeling it might be, might be worth looking at, uh, for Toronto if, if they can do that. So, um, I, I think it's a great, uh, great, uh, pick on your, on your part. Uh, and I think it's exactly what Toronto needs going into the, into the next couple of years, um, on the back end. Yeah. I mean, I, I have two safe options in Dawson Mercer and Dylan Holloway, but you know what? They're set up front. I mean, it's going to take a while. I mean, D- Dylan Holloway and Dawson Mercer have top six potential potential to have them in like the bottom six or third line for quite some time. 
it just doesn't seem fair to take another forward when you have great forward depth, even in your prospect pool right now, because you already have Nick Robertson made a really great impact in the playoffs. You got Mikhail Abramov, who's tearing it up right now. You got uh, Alexander Barabanov, who you just signed, who's probably going to fight for a spot. I think you're good for forwards for right now. You have Korshkov. Korshkov's another another big name. Korshkov, um, yeah. You know, that uh, has the potential to uh, jump onto the roster as well. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I know. I think Toronto's uh, pretty set up front. Uh, and like I said, they have a great uh, pipeline in terms of what's coming up um, over the next couple of seasons. Uh, I think they've done a good job in trying to build through the draft and build through, you know, international free agency. And uh, I think they just have to continue that if they want to head down that the right path here. And I think, you know, you hold on to that 15th pick, you're, you've got the chance to, to really draft a, a talented player and maybe maybe fill in some gaps where, you know, maybe the organizationally you're not you're not set on right now. So uh, definitely, definitely if Askarov drops, I think they got to go goaltending. But uh, yes. if not, I think you, you have a right in, in Braden Schneider being that uh, that guy for them. Mm-hmm. And again, the more and I said this about like online about Yarmir Pitlick um, when the Leafs had the 50th overall pick before they started moving up. He's a very competitive player and NHL ready. And if they're going for a prospect NHL ready, Braden Schneider is one of those guys. Ryan O'Rourke is obviously could be a second round pick option for Toronto. He could be one of those guys that could be NHL ready at some point. You want you want to develop your prospects, but you also want to try and get some guys who can be who can shoot up that prospect pipeline sooner rather than later. And I mentioned this about Schneider, but again, Pitlick and O'Rourke are other great options. And not only that, they're Sue, Sue set Marie Greyhound players. So Kyle Zubis and his connection there, you don't know what can happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can see why you're hesitant on possibly, you know, not taking Schneider because teams focus more on puck movement, but He's got some really great potential. And obviously, I'm not saying top two, you know, defensive pairing kind of guy. Could he develop into that? It's possible. But as of now, take him what he is. He's a, He could be a solid second pairing guy. And that's what Toronto needs. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, other than that, uh, you know, obviously, offseason, we're kind of uh, slower in the in the hockey news when it comes to the Maple Leafs um, nothing real big right now um, you and I have discussed a couple more guests coming on obviously this episode we did not have one uh, which we'll have from time to time but we're going to try and bank some more interviews get yes. a few more people on uh, we had a lot of fun with uh, the last two and Gavin Bryant and Mark Masters yes and uh, you know we look forward to growing this podcast so for anybody out there if you want to if you you know want to talk hockey um you know send us your questions like we obviously mm-hmm. love getting uh getting questions and, and discussing that um but uh did you have anything else you want to talk about this episode peter um happy football sunday happy <laughs> football sunday yeah so uh. we are recording sunday we usually post on tuesday um but yeah happy football sunday football's back and uh stay safe out there guys yeah um obviously you know we want people to enjoy their sporting events but do it in a safe manner 
Mm-hmm. Safety first. That's. I mean, again, we don't want to continue pushing the whole COVID-19 thing, but you know what? If it means helping us get back to some sort of normalcy beforehand, just keep on listening to the news. I mean, that's that's the only way we're going to beat this. And if everybody does their part, we'll come out better than ever. 100%. And uh, I'll just throw a little tidbit in there at the end here. Um, I'm a collector. I've got my little man cave down here. I've got a new addition to my man cave here. Oh, I just picked up a Bobby Bond signed puck um, inscribed with the the four Stanley Cups he won with the Leafs. Um, Beautiful piece. uh, 25 bucks. Nice. 25 bucks. So that's my find for the week, guys. Um, You know, and uh, for all those collectors out there, Look for those steals. That 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 to me is a steal. A guy who scores a uh, Stanley Cup uh, pl- final goal on a broken leg, and you know that's that's a find for me. So um, twenty five bucks, really? Twenty five bucks. Twenty five bucks. Wow. Yeah, I'll have to tweet out a picture of that one for you. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, the pickup of the year for me. That's a really uh, that's a really great pickup, honestly. Yeah. Um, I would say this, I um, haven't been able to find much, but I did find a signed Austin Matthews picture. And this was during Boxing Day last year before the whole pandemic thing hit, where it was on a deal. It was at least, you know, a pretty substantial amount because it's signed by Austin Matthews, but I was able to get it for cheap because of the Boxing Day sale. And man, ooh. It, it it was money well it was money well spent I will say that so it was one of the one of those great things that I was able to find on a Boxing Day deal and I never do a lot of whole Boxing Day shopping anymore right now but that was probably my best find out of the whole entire years I do Boxing Day shopping there you go there you go and and what a way to start a collection with uh, you know other than a, a Matthews uh, signed picture perfect yeah that's a perfect oh, I gotta, way to, I gotta, to get it going. I got a growing connection uh, collection too, but it's way too much to talk about right now as we end the, it's probably an epi- uh, something for next episode or the episode after that, but it's a long list. There you go. Yeah, no, no, it's, uh, it's definitely uh, something we can discuss moving forward, especially in the off season. Other than that, folks get out there, let your folks, let your friends, your family, everyone know to, to, to wear their masks, to use yes. their sanitizer, to stay safe. Let's get back so that we can all be out there watching sports in the in you know the near the closer future rather yes. than pushing it and pushing it and pushing it because um, you know this is going to just continue to get un- to unravel and get worse if we if we don't take the proper precautions. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we're a hockey podcast, but we want to be out there watching the hockey games as well with you. So, um, great week, great episode. Thanks, Peter. Um, Absolutely. Let's look forward to next week where we do have a guest lined up. And, uh, yeah, have a great week, everyone. Have a great one.